0: Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode twenty-six of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host Scott Painter with my co-hosts Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter, and today we're going to have a update on the public health emergency from Mark. He's going to let let us know what they've decided, and also we're going to ask answer some questions. So, um, Mark, you want to give us an update on the PHE?
1: I yes. Um, so. Um kind of hidden in all of the, the uh, releases from CMS was an order signed on October the 2nd by Secretary Azar uh, to um, actually extend the public health emergency uh, through to January 21st. You may remember that the public health emergency uh, can only be declared by the Health and Human Services Secretary in 90-day increments, um, so uh, he did indeed extend that um, till uh, January 21st. Um, you know, it, it, we we've, we we've speculated this was going to come. It's officially there. Um, I'm still going to speculate again that we are probably not done with the public health emergency when we hit January, given what's happening with COVID in the US, Infection rates in the U.S. and now abroad as far as the increases. So um, right now, I you know we're very clear that everything is extended through to January 21st. That means you can continue to build telehealth visits as if they were done in the office for patients uh, who receive those services in their home. Um, and all of the, the rules associated that we've covered uh, in various podcasts still apply. So um, <clears throat> we're safe to keep going. Um, that was originally set to expire on October 23rd. So now we're we're clear and official until January
0: 21st. Do you think it'll probably go another few months uh, beyond that?
1: I I would, uh, as a betting man, if I were one, <laughs> um, I would I would absolutely say we'll see at least one, if not two, more extensions. Um, but one makes sense. Um, even, you know, they're talking now about a vaccine potentially released at the first of the year, but you still have essentially, you know, to gear up the manufacturing and the distribution and all of that. And, the you know, you'll get some um, immunizations, but uh, this, it, it does seem that we've got, you know, we've got two strains and and we've now seen double infections across the board. So, until everything really settles down a little bit more, I imagine they'll keep doing it. So so my projection would be at least through the end of the first quarter. So that would be one more extension and a reasonable chance of extending it through uh, one more time at least. Um, and then we'll see where we are. So, But we'll update you as those
0: projections go forward. But you're good till January for sure. That's official. All right. Well, let's get after it with some questions. Uh, We have a question from a doctor, uh, and he asks, uh, in my office, we just started using stent snare to remove stents at our office-based surgery. We would utilize uh, the code 50386, which is the removal of the, the stent, and we are able to use ultrasound at the time of the procedure to confirm adequate grasp and stent removal, but have not done so routinely. However, we do not use sedation for this. I've recently heard from another doctor that this code is only billed when a doctor does a stent removal using a snare, using both radiologic guidance and sedation. I don't see any reference to sedation in the description or any necessity to use imaging guidance, only the possibility to do so. How How can we do this procedure and bill for it correctly?
1: Okay, um, so um, a couple of different things on this. So number one, you're absolutely correct. There is no reference to sedation here. Um, the sedation is uh, not required and, and usually um, not a requirement of the code. There's a couple of codes that specifically state, including anesthesia, um, which would would rec- and those are those are physical exams. So the sedation portion of this, I don't know where that other doctor got his, in, his or her information, um, but that is not correct. Um, you are not required to use sedation with this code. The other one is a little more subtle in the fact that the, the description itself says including uh, radiologic supervision and interpretation. What that is saying is that um, the professional component of radiologic supervision and interpretation if it is if if some radiologic type service is used is part of the 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 procedure, so it is not a requirement when you look at the those words that are are after including that they they are uh, part of the procedure. So you can abs- if you are performing the removal um, of uh, uh, of a uh, of, a, of an indwelling ureteral stent using transurethral approach and snare capture, um, regardless of whether or not you use radiologic guidance, that is the appropriate code. Uh, so, um, I, again, I'm not sure where this physician is, is grabbing that information that, that he or she is passing on, um, but um, I strongly disagree. the The right coding is 50386 uh, if that is the approach you're using to remove the stent
0: okay all right all let's get it uh, get to the next one uh we had a question that uh is on the itend procedure so does anyone know what the cpt code is for the ITEND procedure for BPH. One of our providers is going to start doing these. I was thinking of the 53855 for the placement and the 52310 for the removal. Any suggestions? So, first we obviously need to, you know, for those that don't know what the uh, ITEND is, the I ten is Correct. a prosthetic stent.
1: Yeah, so it um, the the code description for the five three eight five five is um, a uh, is the insertion of a prosthetic stent. Um, I don't see any reason. Um, it, there is no specific stent um, that uh, is required um, relative. To that particular code, so whether it's I or or a spanner or any of the other codes that are out there, a stent is a stent, regardless of who manufactures it and how they name it at this point in time. Um, so, um, I I think that your uh, your your thought process of the five three eight five five is appropriate. Um, and as far as a removal, the the 52310 would be appropriate if, in fact, you're using a scope to do that. Um, so, I think I th- your thought process is, is, the, is correct, so I agree with you, Lisa. Those are the, those are the right codes.
0: Okay. All right, uh, let's go on to the next one. Uh, can you code a consultation visit uh, for non-Medicare for a new patient office visit seen in the ER and told to follow up with urology?
1: So um, the way the e guidelines really are set up and, uh, you know, a consultation requires that you are requested to see a patient um, from another physician. So if you were called to the ER after an ER physician saw that patient and they needed your expert opinion and you followed the documentation rules of documenting appropriately the request and providing the information back to the emergency room physician then a consultation code would be correct there obviously not to Medicare um, so which you which you've which you've um, included in the question um, but if you are seeing the patient in the emergency room because you are on call uh, and essentially you are called by the hospital for that not another physician uh, then the appropriate coding would be uh, uh, an ER visit. Uh, And then the other scenario that could happen in an ER would be if if your patient called the office, maybe on a day your office wasn't open or you were in the hospital and you directed the patient to the ER, so it was you that sent the patient to the ER, then the office or other outpatient codes would be appropriate. So it really depends on how the patient uh, was directed to you or how you ended up in the ER as to how that should be coded. But There is no block on using the consultation codes in the ER setting, and it is appropriate if you were called by another physician to see the patient in the ER, and you document everything.
0: Now, some uh, private payers don't pay pay for consultation codes, right? So you have to be aware of that as well. Uh, Good catch, yes. Ray? Uh,
2: One clarifying question, Mark. If a patient is seen in the ER and they are just told to see a urologist, and you don't send any information back to any particular doctor, can you still charge a consult?
1: So let's clarify that. So how how did how was the patient
2: given to you again?
1: You're, I got a little confused in the directions.
2: All right. Well, the patient was seen in the ER and it didn't require anything particular in the ER. Uh, they took care of the immediate problem and the patient was told they should seek the expertise of a urologist.
1: So, so they may or may not come to your office, but essentially what's happening is the emergency room physician is transferring care. To the urologist, that this this problem is not something that should be handled in the ER setting. They're not asking for the opinion; they're actually transferring care. Yes, that yeah. So that doesn't fit the qualifications for a consultation. Um, and I think that's where you're going for on the clarification and and a good point to bring up. If it's a transfer of care, a clear transfer of care, um, then it falls into the new to the outpatient. Um, or um, ER visit codes
0: in that case what about if it's just a suggestion you should maybe follow up with a urologist at some point
1: again that's that sounds to me like a transfer of care you need a request from the emergency room physician to uh, to actually provide render an opinion like it's it's really about a consultation type thing that's the way the verbiage on the Consultation codes are. So I should have clarified that earlier. Thanks, Ray. That was a good clarifying question.
2: So the the, the bottom line is most of the uh, referrals from the emergency room do not wind up as a consult.
1: Uh, I, I think it, I don't know if you want to say most, but I think a lot of them would, yes. Um, you know, if it's a if it's a patient that has flank pain and they call you in for your opinion to see if it is urologic, then that could be a consultation. Um, but you're right. A lot of those that you see in the ER are, um, uh, you know, transfers that, hey, you got, you, need, you got a little stone. You should probably go see a urologist about that. That's a transfer of care. Um, retention might be another one that would fit into that consultation category you know, how best to treat this patient for their retention. Do they need just a catheter or do they need other services? Do they need to be admitted to the hospital? So I think there's there's a fair amount that could go either way in the ER, um, but um, there, there are a lot that the ER doc gets a diagnosis and transfers the care out.
2: Actually, let me clarify my comment. I was talking about If the patient is seen in the ER and referred to the doctor's office, most of the time, that's not a consult. But seeing the patient in the ER, quite frequently, it could be listed as a consult.
0: All right. We got one more, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, I need some additional clarification on modifier 25. What are some examples of when this this would be inappropriate? I listened to the podcast and got a lot of good info on when it is appropriate, but need inappropriate scenarios. Some examples we are seeing are injectables like Lupron, Xchiva, Firmagon, and installation uh, procedures like BCG. Exjiva and Firmagon are seen on a monthly basis. Is it appropriate to bill an office visit with a 25 for these. The Lupron is usually administered every six months, and this would also have lab work done too. Is it okay to bill this since the patient was seen six months ago? Can you go over using Modifier 25 with the injections?
1: Yeah, so there's, there's definitely some nuances with Modifier 25, and thanks for listening to our podcast on that, and we're glad you got some good information on it. And just a reminder, the Requirements for the modifier 25 are significant and separately identifiable on the same date as another service or procedure. So injections fall into that category. Even though they're XXX codes, The, the both the, the 96402 and the 96372 have a bundling edit in place with the E&M code. So you're gonna have to use a modifier 25 to pull it out. And then of course BCG as an installation Actually has a zero-day global, so it's going to need a modifier twenty-five. Um, so um, those are uh, the those are the issues you're up against, um, and um, you need to make sure that any documentation or uh, visits that occur on that same date meet that definition yeah. of significant and separately identifiable. So when you look at this, um, let's look at a couple of inappropriate examples. So, the patient comes in for their, um, let's say their firmagon, their monthly firmagon. Um, there, there's blood work drawn so that there are some tests um, that, that are done that particular date. But the visit itself is um, the pretty much all done by the nurse. Um, you know, they make sure the patient's okay that they, they survived their last shot without any issues and that generally they don't have any other issues going on, nurse gives the shot, um, that's not supported. There, there's not a, a modifier 25 there. Um, you can bill separately for the blood draw, yes, um, but not separately for an e If the doc were to see the patient and give the injection, the same rules apply. If the doc is really just making sure that the patient's doing well, they're not having other issues, um, at, with, with anything, um, and they decide to give them a shot and, and then schedule them for the next one, that's really all wrapped around the, the injection uh, or the, the BCG installation. So remember that kind of the package of the procedure or service that's being provided includes making sure they can get the, the service, giving them the service, and then any directly related follow-up to that scheduling the next one or telling them how to care for their wound or deal with any side effects. What doesn't get wrapped in is anything above and beyond that. So, if the patient comes in and they're getting their shot and this is a visit where the labs are reviewed and you, and the physician talks to the patient about their um, rising PSA or their, um, their prostate cancer, um, whatever they're, they're being uh, injected for and talks to them about their general underlying disease process and anything else that they can do relative to that as including review of data that is in place to make sure that they're on the right treatment path, that they don't need to switch to a new drug or do any other further interventions. That is significant and separately identifiable and should be charged. So. It really does need to be significant, meaning medically necessary um, and separately identifiable, meaning not part of what normally is included in an
0: injection or an installation. All right, very good. Anything else to add on that, Ray? Well,
2: one comment. We want to be sure that that separately identifiable and significant service is medically necessary. Uh, make work uh, discussions and topics uh, uh, should not be charged. Okay.
0: All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. And uh, remember, the, we have a ENM workshop going on this month. So please check out prsnetwork.com forward slash zero two six for this episode and uh, we'll have links to to sign up for our workshop if you'd like and also we have our urology advanced coding and reimbursement seminar registration is open as well so love to have you join us on uh, both those programs and we want to help you get prepared for 2021 all right final words yours anything else to add
2: nothing for my end happy coding
0: Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency, so there's time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music under his record label, The Juicery, with Extra Pulp and Special Guests.